Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. the boys in white and blue and we are back for another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And I'm Navid Mashinchi. And there's only one way to start the show off. Brian's on fire! Your defense is terrified, O'Brien's on fire. Na 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 na. My my favorite part of that, Michael, your rendition there is when you said O'Brien's on fire. I know. As soon as I said that, I thought you're gonna make a comment on that. Oh, funnily enough, Andy O'Brien's name was mentioned several times on Twitter in conversations I was having last night, as people referred to Flo Jungworth as the first kind of centre-back quality that we've had since Andy O'Brien way back in the day. But we'll come to all that. Yes, the Whitecaps, they won again. One loss now in 15. Two losses in 18. It's a great run that they're on. Still not enough to get them into the playoff places in MLS West. We're going to cover all of that. We're going to talk about some of the fallout from it, some of the main talking points around the team just now. And then we're going to round things off with a little look about Canada, the World Cup qualifiers kick back in this week, so we're all looking forward to that. But of course, it's a weekend show, so that means it's the gift that keeps on giving. It's Steve Pander's box of tricks that he gave Zach and myself for Christmas. I think we're down to eight packs left to open. 2011 MLS Upper Deck Trading Card Pack. Let's just get straight to it. You want me to go first? Yep, I'll just get mine open here. Um... The, speaking of, I can't remember if it was Andy O'Brien. I think it was Andy O'Brien who had an encounter with this individual. We were talking about him before the show, but I didn't tell you his name. It's fittingly the San Jose Earthquakes, Stephen Lenhart. Oh, the clown man. I, I'm going to start with the first card in my pack. Normally, if I get a really good one straight out the box, I put it right at the back, and it's my big reveal. I, I'm just going all in now. It's David Beckham. Oh, oh, I have, oh, oh, I have golden balls. And I have David Beckham, too. Um, hey! My next one is a guy... At least I don't have this card. He's from the Goats. Blair Gavin. I don't remember him. Oh, I have that card, because I was like, never trust a guy with two first names. <laughs> now, this guy, he's very good with his money, I am sure. It's Michael Orozco, 
Fiscal. His oh, yeah, I have him. Very good. I have him. Next card is new to me, but uh, Michael, you have it. It's former Bundesliga player, striker Connor Casey. I think I've got some doubles coming up here. I, I've got this or you've got this. RSL's Jameson Alavi. Yeah, I have that. Uh, this is going on my former white or my one time white caps page. It's you have it, this card, I believe. It's his MLS super draft pick card. It's Zach McMath. Oh, who I discovered some audio from his that I'd never used while he was here when we do our fun food and TV segments and stuff. So I need to wait for some point for him to come back to, to get those in. This is either a double for me or you've got it, but I think we might both have it. It's San Jose Earthquakes, Sam Cronin. That would be, I have it, so I think we both have it. Very apt to have a San Jose player. Yep. Uh, next one is, uh, again, I, I can't remember if you have it or I have it or both of us have it, but it's former TFC player Julius James. Well, I've got another San Jose player. It's Brandon McDonald. Oh, yeah, I have him. My last card is a keeper. Uh, former, F- former FC Dallas keeper uh, and league veteran Kevin Hartman. Oh, well, I've got a draft card as my last one from the University of North Carolina. That's one for the AEW fans there. The third overall pick in the 2011 WPS draft. She plays for Washington Freedom. Oh, I'm at Megan Klingenberg. I th- Ooh, I'm not sure if I have that one or not. I'll have to check. Yeah, that is our cards for this week. I really need to get mine put into my folder because they're all just sitting in a box down here and I keep forgetting about them until we <laughs> do the show on a Sunday. We'll get to that soon. What we're going to get to now, though, is Whitecaps chat. So in part one, we're going to mainly look over the the Whitecaps win over San Jose and the latest standings, where it leaves us. Look ahead to the, the next game with Seattle. Hear a little bit from Vanni Sartini and talk about Vanni Sartini himself. Now, before we get to the, the San Jose game, we're not going to delve into this in any great detail. Because it was a horribly bad game of football. It's one of the worst games of football I've seen all season. I have seen far better VMSL games. And I did, in fact, this weekend. A 0-0 draw midweek at Houston. A point is a point. There's not really a lot to, to take from the game. Uh, Steve, any anything you want to say about the game? No, it's a game where they it's essentially I feel like it's something they had to do. They had to play that way in order to get a result. And there were times when they kind of pushed, but it was really nothing uh, to write home about. It was essentially a game that I think they figured that they needed to make sure they get a draw to make themselves ready for this weekend. Now, Zach, you said to me when you got home because you weren't able to watch live, should I watch the game? And I said, just watch the YouTube highlights. If they I could don't get know it. if yeah, I didn't know if they could get seven minutes. The the white caps one was just four minutes that they put up. Did you even watch the highlights in the end? And how did they fill seven minutes? I didn't actually watch the highlights, and I haven't watched the whole game. But I did put on and I did watch the first full twenty five minutes of the game. 
Oh, period. and you're you weren't wrong. And it was a little bit sad because I watched it after watching uh, Montreal, New England, which was a very exciting football match. Yeah. Yeah. Whitecaps are not a great main course sometimes, and that was one of those games. But I mean, Navid, a point is a point. Yeah. We wanted seven at the bare minimum from these three games. They've got that. That point was part of it. I mean, it, it does feel that they could probably have got three if they just pushed a bit. There was some weird team selections, but at the end, mm. it has worked out. And I think Vanny did feel he needed to rest some guys and mix it up a little bit. I can't argue too much with an away point in Texas. We don't get a lot of those over the years. Right, right, right. Um, to be honest, I actually forgot about that game, actually, when he brought it up. And I actually didn't get a chance to watch it either, like Zach. Uh, and I watch the highlights, so yeah, I watch the highlights. Like, I don't even remember anything from the highlights. So, you know what? I if, yeah. if you were to put a gun to my head just now and say, tell me three things from yeah, the no, Wednesday, no. I, I'd be dead because no. I, I can't honestly remember anything that happened. Yeah, right, right, right. No, but like you said, I mean, seven points out of those three games, I think they're huge. And uh, I think the big ones are going to come up, going to come up now next week with Seattle and then. Yeah. I mean, it's three, three tough, tough games coming up, which we'll we'll get our yeah. our points predictions from that in a little bit. Let, let's get to the third of the games that, from the last eight days. So, BC Place, Saturday night. Fantastic. 3-0 win for the Whitecaps over San Jose. The first half, it was a good performance. It was a strong performance. It was fairly even between the teams in a lot of regards. But the Caps did get that goal to to put it 1-0 up. The stats at halftime, it was seven shots to six in favour of the Caps. Three on target to two. San Jose had just shared possession. So I was like, oh, feeling good about it. It was a good first half. Second half, though, Steve, I just felt was totally dominant. And the Whitecaps, very, very deserved winners in that. Yeah, it was a complete, uh, obviously, opposite of what Houston... Even in the first half, I, th- I thought they were pretty... Uh, good for their like what they put their, put into the game. Like essentially, it was a little bit of a touch and go. They wanted to uh, make sure they had everything going into the half. They were a little careful, but that second half, you're right. Um, they just poured it on, and it's something you don't typically see of Whitecaps teams, uh, where they see an injured somebody like kind of an injured animal on the side of the road and put it to back and you know put it away for its own good. I mean, Navid, it was a very comfortable win in the end and probably the best performance of the season and I think the best all-round performance as well from Uh, front to back. Exactly. I think that was... I think I mentioned a couple of shows. I think it was a show when MDS got sacked. Like, I couldn't think of a game under MDS where we played full 90 minutes, where we dominated. Uh, It was a great performance, to be honest. And uh, I'm excited about the way how... Vanny Sartini really had an impact so far on Yeah. I, I mean, I, mean I, I don't think a lot of folk expected some of the changes that that he does. And I think we'll talk a little bit about Vanny in a sec, but yeah. I, I like how he's not afraid to mix things up. Right. And just try the, the unexpected. Now, whether that could work for a whole season, I don't know. But you're, you're kind of playing with house money almost because 
I mean, he might think, well, I'm not going to probably get the job at the end of the season, although we'll, we'll come to that in a sec as well. But, I mean, he's like just rolling the dice. I don't know why I've gone down the gambling theme for, for this analogy, but he is rolling <laughs> the dice and it's paying off and he's not afraid to mix things up. He's not afraid to make changes and he's not afraid to take a risk. And I think that is something that MDS, he was very cautious well, I can tell you like, it's a good analogy because he kind of, like I used to work in a casino and he looks like some mm. of those guys that are there late at night like with their <laughs> sleeves rolled up and trying to get their money back or something like that. So he kind of has that kind of vibe to him. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I get what you mean, actually. Now, Zach, this was the third straight game with a 3-4-2-1. There were six changes from that Houston game. So, I mean, the, the game plan was clear that Houston was try and get something from it. And if you can come away with a win, great. But if you get the draw, that that is a, is a good thing. Now, the 3-4-2-1, it's not really a formation... Well, we've not seen it here very often. Well, hang on. Three, I, I think you mean 3-4-1-2-2, right? Oh, yes. yeah. Sorry, it was for in this case, yeah. We have a number 10 now. Yeah, yeah we <laughs> had been 3-4-2-1, but the last couple You're, of games, he's gone uh, for 3-4-1-2. As they try and get more creativity out of uh, out of their number ten, right? Out of yeah, Ryan, Ryan he's, he's wanting to to see a bit more from Ryan, and I, I think it it is working because it's given him more channels and more outlets. But that those formations aren't really something that you see a lot of. I, I like it; it's working. Yeah, I, I I think I think they've hit on something that's work that it is working for them. I, I think. W- one of the things I, when I reflect on on Saturday's game and ultimately the ease with which they they strolled past San Jose, a very limitedly changed, only two changes in San Jose starting yeah, 11. Yeah, that, that was a surprise as well it, it, and a mistake. It, oh, yeah. <laughs> but it also, but in retrospect, and I know hindsight is twenty twenty, it really does make Houston feel like a missed opportunity mm-hmm. um, because this, I felt that this, the, the starting 11 in Houston was just really weird like it just i mean well i was gonna say in general a lot of these starting 11s are really weird and i, I mm. don't know if it was last show or the show before I, I mentioned if it's confusing us it's clearly going to confuse your opposition because they must be like i've no idea what's coming what on the expect. pitch right where they're well, even going to line up on the pitch and then yeah, it's just... working I just want to go back to Zach's thing. The thing is, Zach, though, if they had like done something different where they went for it in Houston, maybe they don't get this result in San Jose. Yeah. So it's you could say that, but I I I I kind of believe that going full out in Houston would have definitely shredded them, and they wouldn't have had that same energy. But, in this I don't. I hear what you're saying, Steve, but I would disagree for two two reasons. One is I think for the most part, I think Almeida played his better team on on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And only made but only made a couple changes. So even let's say nothing changed for San Jose and Vancouver got a result in Houston, I think they would have been playing a, the weaker version of, of San Jose um, and would have done their own rotation and I think could have still beat them based on Yeah, it might not have been a three now, but No. But it would have been but if you yeah, if you, I, I just think I, I again this is retrospect. I think Saturday night was great. It was great for the, the club, it was great for the players. Great for the stand, like an improvement in the standings, obviously, um, and the in the playoff push. I think, and it's as very, I keep positive. saying, you send the fans home happy. Oh, totally. And it's like that right now, with the way that the attendance is. I mean, it's key, 
Last night it was 12,069, which was nice, Steve. And it is growing. And there's a buzz about the team. And there's a bit of a feel-good factor about the team. And it has felt a long time since we had that. I mean, let, let's get into the game quickly. I, I don't want to dwell tons on the game because we've got so much to talk about in, in the show tonight. But in the first half, it was a strong first half performance. They came out of the gate strong. Ryan Gold had a great chance five minutes in that he just couldn't quite bring down and get a proper shot off, but kind of showed the, the danger that they were going to be. Uh, Christian Dahomey had a shot that went wide. And then 26th minute, that rarity. A first half goal from the Whitecaps this season. And it came from Gold having a shot very similar to the one he had five minutes in. Probably about, I don't know, 10 yards out of goal. It saved. The rebound falls to White. And as we've said so many times, Navid, this season, right place, right time, pokes it away. Yeah, no, I think... Uh... I think Owusu got the ball. That was pretty nice how he got the ball in yes, the field. And then tackle. he played a great forward ball, breaking the lines. And I like that one touch from Brian White, actually, in, into Ryan Gold. Yeah. I think that was a great ball. Because it was a two-on-one at that right. point. So and it's was... like you're thinking, where's the San Jose defense? Which wouldn't be the first time we would say that on Saturday <laughs> evening. No, that was a great ball, one touch into Ryan Gold. And then, obviously, like you say, you proper number nine finish right place right time he knows where to be for some odd reason that, that's, that's, that's the, nomen- he just... the, the nomenclature for our show is proper place proper all oh, right <laughs> that yeah that that is the other true aspect of that because it is a case that it, it's you something that we've that. not had no no yeah. and it, we've not had it here we've brought right. so many strikers and even Cavallini, and we'll talk about Cava yeah. versus White in the next part, but Cava, MDS said, I want Cava in the six-yard box, where he is for Canada, where he's successful for Canada. And for whatever reason, he doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Brian White, in the six-yard box, nine goals now for the season, not all of them from within the six-yard box, but... There or thereabouts. I mean, six minutes after his goal, he had another chance. He just got nudged off the ball after bringing the down the ball down well, and just couldn't get his proper shot off. But he's he screams to be a striker, and you have been around a lot yourself, Navid, and all mm. your levels of playing. And when you've worked for the Whitecaps, confidence is huge for strikers. Huge. huge. You're on a run. You feel everything's going your way. You feel, okay, that didn't come off. Next time it is going to come off. And Freddie Montero is a guy like that. As exactly. Well. Right. Like, right, get right. him on a run and streaky is how we've described him in exactly. the past. Brian White's on a great streak just now. And he, seems like a breakout season for him. It does. Yeah. And I, I genuinely, and I put this to Vanny afterwards, I don't even feel we've seen the best of him yet or the best of what he can be. Mm hmm. Which is no. very exciting. That's true. But I mean, it's 1 0 at half time. Then, I mean, second half after that, the Whitecaps took over. Five minutes into the second half, Dahomey shot just over. I felt Christian had been pretty quiet up to that point in the game. First half, and I don't know how well this came across on the TV or whatever. He had acres of room on the left-hand side of the pitch. He was basically hugging that left touchline. 
but no one was finding him. The ball just wasn't coming over there. But he had that chance at the start of the second. Then, Sanazi, they were still in it at this point because they're only one goal down. And then Kikinovic put a ball across the box and there was just no takers for it in the 53rd minute. That was a key moment because if Sanazi had tied it up there, what happened at the end, next in the game, I, I don't know how the game would have gone. But the Whitecaps survived that and kind of just went on from that. But I want to talk about a minute in the 55th minute. There was a, a stromash, as we say in Scotland, in the box, players coming together for, for very little, really. And then Florian Jungwirth straight in there, showing he's not an earthquake anymore. Not afraid to to say, I don't care if you used to be my teammate. I know how dirty you guys are. And was just, he got booked for it in the process as well. You love to see it, Naveed. Oh, brilliant. I mean, he's a true white captain, that's for sure. Um, he is an interesting character, that's for sure. I loved his Instagram post afterwards. After the game, that was brilliant. Uh, that really, truly shows what he's all about. And it's he's, just... He's a, he's a leader on the pitch, 100%. in the locker room, and off the pitch, chatting to him, he's just an absolute delight. But it was good to see that, Zach, because, I mean, it, it could have been just him going, look, I just want to show you that I'm not a, a San Jose guy just now. But at the same time as well, it's showing them, look, I know what you're about, and I'm not putting up for that. Yeah, it was. It's nice to see him set the record straight that way. In the same way, it was nice to hear him set the record straight in the interview you had with him. That he, although he played for eighteen fifty nine, he actually is a Bayern supporter. Yeah. So I thought that would have pleased you. Yeah, that very much so. Um, but no, yeah. I mean, I got a text right away. A, a few, t- I think, a couple texts being like, "I really like Flo Youngworth." <laughs> yeah, I tweeted out about him, and it's like Twitter just went. Phew crazy yeah, with yeah. Folk. that and my tweet about Cava later which, yes. which will come in but we're going to talk about both those guys more detail in the next part but then 58th minute White had a chance to make it 2-0 it was well saved but then a minute later it's 2-0 and, and that came from some good pressing from the Whitecaps which was good pressing good pressing and the ball won by Bruno Gashbar who's starting to come onto his game a little bit I know mm-hmm. it's been a while it's going to make for some interesting I, decisions that come the end of the season. I still think they're not going to bring him back, but I just wanted to mention it because there hasn't been a lot of positives to mention from him. And that was one moment that kind of <laughs> yeah. stood out. But it was 2-0, 59th minute, white header, Caicedo with the outswinger from the free kick, and White jumps unchallenged with three San Jose players around him. Now, this is the kind of goal... The White Caps have given up time and time again, and we've crucified them for. And it was a theme that this weekend at times to with goals like that, and in this game as well. It was it was horrible defending. Yeah, I was actually thinking that it felt like a training pitch because it felt like they were playing against White Cap defenders. Yeah, the way they were letting those goals in. Um, but and the thing is, it was I don't think San Jose was playing zonal. Uh, but they, they weren't able to even jump for the balls. It seemed like Brian White, who we've already mentioned before, is not that athletic of a striker, was able to out-jump uh, some of these strikers. 
uh, I mean, sorry, defenders. And it was just amazing to see that. Um, so I don't know what San Jose was doing. I, I think oh, they're really, I think they're really going to regret the Youngworth uh, getting rid of them. Also, you seems... see, Young Shea uh, Salinas marking as yeah. was part of that, and he's not known for being a great header. He, he, he was involved in marking him on both plays, kind of yeah. thing. Or, also, Nathan, Nathan was around too, but yeah, Nathan didn't have a good night. I mean, it's the worst performance a BC plays from a Nathan for I, I, I don't know how long. But, um, <laughs> I told her I'd get that joking. <laughs> so, I mean, it was a great delivery though, Navid from Caicedo. What a free kick! Because you, it's for the tough. two guys over it's it, it's like cool. is yeah. Gold going to send it in? Is Caicedo going to? And it was pinpoint right in white quality, head. quality ball in, and I mean even. Better finish, I think. He literally top corner from his short distance quality. It, and this is important. It's a small thing, but I think it's really important uh, for a team, any team, any fo- football club, to be able to have two people, one of either foot, standing over a dead ball situation just to make the other team have something to yeah. think about. Yeah. And obviously, Ryan Gold is the most talented player on the Whitecaps. And so everyone expects him to take his mm-hmm. virtually all the dead ball situations. And that's what I think you know, helped them in that helped them, you know, even white have that moment of advantage was because gold was there and everyone kind of, I think, Oh yeah, he's going to take it. And Caicedo just steps in and puts in this, you know, normal, just little simple cross. And White nods at home. And he's been good all season with his delivery. I, I was thinking that actually after the third goal, because obviously Gold's corner was perfect. And it's like, man, because when it first came in, my thought was, oh, it's great to have a guy that takes these pretty accurate and deadly corners. And I thought, actually, well, Caicedo has been doing that as well. We've got two really good set-piece delivery artists, as as Zach says. And then you also... a little bit too. And then you also have uh, Baldissimo, who did it for a while too. Mm. Uh, He obviously... He's been on the bench for a bit, but he, he's very capable of doing something like that as well. So, I mean, that third goal, 73rd minute, a second white header on the night, a second header where he jumps up with three San Jose defenders around him and isn't challenged for it. I mean, yeah, you get burned once, you don't let it happen a second time. But that ball from Gold, there was only one player it was going to, which was white from a white cat's perspective. When you've got three guys, and Almeida talked about it afterwards, he was disappointed because they've been strong defending set pieces all season. For whatever reason, uh, on Saturday night, it just just went to pot. Yeah, I uh, I mean, looking back at this overall performance, even just from San Jose, I was kind of disappointed because, I mean, being close in well, Sacramento. Yeah, your local team. Local team, right? I kind of been watching a few of the San Jose games. But it kind of, to be honest, I feel like San Jose is not a team that likes coming to Vancouver for some reason. I remember under Robo, was it the semifinal game, five nothing or yeah, quarter or whatever yeah. playoff game that was. That flashed into five, my mind exactly last night. I thought I was going to get another five now. Exactly. At some point, I was like, oh, this flashback. But uh, yeah. So that hat trick from Brian White. Not only was it his first MLS senior hat trick, it was also the first Whitecaps hat trick. In over three years, 2018, May, against New England, Christian Teixeira got the hat-trick that day. But, I mean, overall, it was a it was a 
a good result for the Whitecaps and a really good performance. And that, that's all you can ask for just now. That's been our thoughts on the game. Let's just play a little bit of post-game audio just from head coach Vanni Sartini. Just for his thoughts on the match and hat-trick hero, Brian White. Congratulations on a, another win and a, a very strong first-half performance. Dominant second-half performance, another clean sheet and really a, a game that you had to win and you, you did so in some style. Just what, what's your thoughts on the, the whole affair? Uh, we did uh, very well. Uh, you know, we'll we'll have to watch the game again. And but I think the approach and a lot of things that we worked on uh, in the previous week and uh, in this week uh, uh, went very well. The pressure was fantastic. The movement of the midfielders when we had the ball, the the, the central defenders when they they everyone did. Uh, to be honest, what. Uh, they were supposed to do to the T, like you, did, like you say here, guys. And uh, so I would say congratulations to the player because they did fantastically today. And obviously we have to talk about Brian White. A hat-trick yeah. today, his first career hat-trick. Ninth goal as a white cap. And it, it still doesn't feel that we've probably seen the best of him yet. Do you feel there's still a lot more in his tank and a lot more that he can give? He's a good player and he is there when uh, I, I, I want to praise him because I want to praise the team in the sense that he does what he's supposed to do for the team and the team helps me helps him in to be in the right position. He is very good when we need to press. He's, uh, uh, I would say it's, the, it's a good spot today for the, for the because he's, he's a very selfless player and being selfless also it helps you to be even the protagonist sometimes because uh, that's uh, the key on for us to try to win more games, uh, thinking about uh, as a we and not as a group of eyes. And, uh, and he is very good at that. Vanni Sartini there, just with his thoughts on the game and then goal-scoring hat-trick hero, Brian White. I just want to have a little bit of a, a chat about Vanni at this stage in the show because since he's come in, he's been in charge for seven matches. The team's only given up four goals. They've got three straight clean sheets. We'll talk a bit about the defence in the next part, but... We touched on it straight off the top. What he's brought to this team has been... I don't, I, I don't even know if I can... I mean, what word would you use to describe what he's brought to this team? The, the sense that I'm getting, I think the guys are really buying into what, I guess, whatever he's asking from, from them. That's one thing that pops out to me. I don't know. I feel like they're all really buying into what he's asking them to do. Like, I don't know if he's... um. I don't know if he's got a, it seems like it's a similar type and maybe the formation is yeah. a little different, but I think it's maybe a little bit of a freshness of a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel, and I know I'll probably get crucified for thinking this, but I just feel that if um, 
the Whitecaps came back in July when the other two Canadian teams came in. I think this is a totally different story. I think they would have like got everything rolling a little bit better. I think some mm. of those results in like I think they lost four one to RSL. I think that would have been a different result. I think the uh, the draw against Houston in RSL and in, in Salt Lake that would have been a different result. I think they would have won that game. I think it would have been a little bit more different. I think they probably lost about five points not coming back. No, I think uh, you're right. Early. You're spot and, on. And I think Mark DeSanto still would have been the coach at that point. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, I honestly do think that. I think that one month of delay uh, cost them big time. Now, uh, I, I, think, I, think Steve's, I think Steve is right. I also think, uh, had they been able to get the Ryan Gold deal across the line sooner. earlier mm-hmm. to yeah. coincide with that, I think, uh, like a, a June return or whatever, I think that, yeah, things would be, be playing out a lot differently. In terms of Vanny, Michael, I just want to say that I think – it reminds me of the old song we used to sing together back in the day, Carefree. I, uh, I, yes. think, I think he, because he doesn't have the pressure of uh, yeah. of being fired over his head, he can do things that normal coaches at, in Vancouver and normal coaches in the MLS in general just can't do, whether it's changing formations, whether it's having maybe, you know, divergent kind of starting lineups, you know, in terms of squad selection, uh, there has been some odd, odd selections, and there's, there's been times I've seen the starting lineup, or I've been at training and I see what's coming for the next day, and I'm like, what? But, but I'm sure there's something behind it. Whatever. Oh well, yeah, it's working. There, it's, it's working. I mean, I mean, uh, one defeat in fifteen, two defeats in eighteen. They're they're climbing the table, and. This is a tough one. This this goes back to to Zach saying hindsight's a great thing. But I, I, just I'll get a yes or no from all of you. We'll start with Steve. If MDS was the coach, still, do you think we would be on this run quite as we are with these wins? If you if, yeah, if you take away that Pacific game, I and he's still the coach. I do think they still get because they were getting those results prior to that Pacific game. So I do think that they get the same results. I don't think there might have been a result here and there that might be different, but for the whole, I think the Barry would have been very similar uh, in this, you know, in the same kind of location. I think I do, and I I hate to like uh, like say anything negative about Sartini, but I, th- I do think he's dropped a couple points here and there because of the lineups he's had. Like Zach did mention the Houston game, but there's a kind of couple of things even before that where. Um, I thought I thought there was a better option out there th- mm. to put yeah, up. Yeah, the, well, the Portland game at home. Yeah. I mean, that was a game that we should have taken something from as well. I mean, yeah. what, what do you think, Naveed? Do you think if MDS was still the coach, we would be still in the same run of results? Yeah, I have to agree with Steve. Um, pretty much, I mean, he said it all. Um, and it's that's actually, I mean, it sucks being a coach sometimes when you're coaching these games, these cup games with Pacific. Um, you can only look bad in these games, to be honest. It's pretty mm-hmm. unfortunate because, like Steve said, they won a great run. And I mean, even before you got sacked, what was it? Nine undefeated games, eight or ten. nine, well, ten, yeah, or whatever. Ten yeah. with I think five wins in that. Yeah. So I think uh, just to answer, yes. And the thing is, Zach, Vanny mentioned after the game that he thought or he's basically just moving forward from the, the foundations that Mark laid. 
So, I mean, what, what do you feel about that? Do you think if MDS was still the coach, we'd still be on this run? Michael, I, I think there's going to be maybe an email or two or definitely some people yelling at their devices. Yes. But, but um, <laughs> because I know people were frustrated at some of uh, MDS's, whether it was, um, you know, substitutions or starting 11s or, you know, rigidity around this, that or the other. Um, it, I think most of the, a significant amount of the, the fan base was very happy for the change, but I agree that I think they would be in a, in the same or similar place. And, and like, I think both Navid and, um, Steve were hinting at potentially even a little bit better of a place. Mm. I think the Pacific game was disappointing for everyone, uh, at the Vancouver Whitecaps, some more than others, I think. Uh, and, uh, I think that, um, yeah, I think that, that Mark wouldn't have been able to, uh, get the players to, to kick on and continue with the form that they had in the league. The, the one thing I'll say, the word that you mentioned there, rigidity, MDS was far too rigid and maybe too that, loyal to some of his players. That will, I will agree with that, yeah. that, that I think he needed to make a, a few more changes here and there. And uh, I, I, the one thing about him is that he, like, I feel like he got frustrated with the form. He wasn't able to get that right formation. Yeah. And I think personally, and again, I hate to keep saying this, but lack of a number ten really affected him in being able to find that real oh, formation. Oh, absolutely. And in because yeah. he was, he was just, he was handcuffed by a really weak midfield. Because which a number ten can really improve if you get a very good one like we do it now. It, it will really improve what you have on the pitch. I, like I just, have, have, yeah. you, have you have you seen Tiber play this well or Usu no, or actually, because they have confidence in the guy yeah. in front of them. They need they know they just need to get the ball in that direction and he'll be able to do something with it. Tiber gets a lot of stick from all quarters, but yeah. the last couple of games is the best that he has played in a long time. And looking dangerous going forward as well. Uh, with Mark, I, I don't think we would have seen him go three at the back. Now, that's not to say no. that yeah. that we still wouldn't have got the results. I do wonder, though, whether he would have played Florian Jungworth in the back or whether Brian White would have had as many minutes up front. So, I mean, it's, it's things we'll never know. I mean, we, we can just be happy with, with what, what Vanny's doing just now. Has he done enough? to really put his hat in the ring to, to keep the job at the end of the season. If he wants it, then, you know, maybe he yeah, should definitely be considered. But the only thing is, is there, you're going to get the same people saying again, they're hiring with yeah. it. Yeah. It's basically, instead of Randy to Robbo, it's going to be DeSantos to Sartini. Exactly. That's what everybody's going to say again. He, he, he would have to get to the MLS semi semifinals of the, of the cup and or win it. Or win Western Conference, or, are you yeah. saying? Win the Western Conference. Yeah, that still to... wouldn't be enough for some people. They'd be like, yeah. we want a name. Yeah, no, he, I'm, just, I'm just saying, what's Frank the, Lampard doing? I think I think for the majority, though, Michael, I think, or like the, the common everyday person, I think if if he if he went further than they've ever gone before, I think yeah. then he has, he has a chance. I, I see that as being highly unlikely, but I think that's the only, only scenario under which he would be considered for more than what he's done this year. Even if, if he I, makes the playoffs, probably not enough, huh? If I'm him, well. if I'm him, I this is this is my like kind of backwards way of thinking. I would stay in a back office kind of job the way he does now. Mm. Wait for the next coach to fail and then go for it. 
And then, then you, then he proves, that, and he comes back again. He does well again. Then he shows that he's the right guy for job while he's collecting a paycheck on this. I side. love Steve's optimism. <laughs> Wait till the next coach to fail. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, you know, it's probably something's going to go wrong, and they're going to find a reason to fire him. There's probably some guy at FC Cincinnati sitting doing just this. He's like, the time we get on to coach eight, it's going to be my turn. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. But, but we, we but, talked. The one, the one thing, sorry, I want to say something about DeSantos too, and I think I think this has to be brought up, and I, I'm not trying to defend the guy, but I feel like he spent more time coaching the team in the U.S. than he did in Canada, okay. in Vancouver. Yeah, like sorry. I think uh, it's like I think maybe a season and a bit he probably spent in the Vancouver, while the most of the time they were located in the U.S. And that's not easy because he's co- he's coaching players who are. Uh, not adjusted and and maybe like you said before away from some of the families didn't go there he's a, they're away from the families and stuff like that so he's asked, he's probably juggling a ton of stuff that Sartini is not juggling at this point well, that's Brian why White even said after the game that it was difficult for him at first going from New York to Salt Lake and having to deal with new surroundings and the altitude and everything and then yeah. have to adjust for a second time by coming up to Vancouver and that's an American going from one place to another and he found it difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the what Mark DeSantis went through as a as a as a coach in 2020 and 2021, I, I think yeah. is is crazy. I mean, look, look at look at the rest of the coaches in Canada. What, what happened with Greg Vanny? What happened with Thierry Henry? Neither of them said, Yeah, I'll sign up for another mm-hmm. year of like last year or or a partial year of like what last year was like. And Henri cited it. Yes, he said, "Look, this this is not great for my family." And and I'm pretty sure Vanny had similar reasons. Hmm. So we mentioned on last week's show that Vanny had been excitedly telling his cat Frida all about the the victory last weekend. What was he going to tell her this weekend? Our good friend Har wanted to to find out. Here's what Vanny told us. Uh, first of all, I'm gonna come back and give them, give her some treat because I'm I'm trying to win her more her love with uh, giving some treat because she's clearly more in love with my wife than with me. But uh, I'll tell them tomorrow morning if, we, if she's gonna come close to me, I'm gonna tell them that that we've been amazing and uh, I'm uh, I'm a really proud uh, daddy of a cat today because my my team went fantastically. <laughs> So Frida the cat is going to be getting lots of treats this weekend as Vanny tries to, to win Frida's affections from his wife. That, that's always a good way to, to win the attention and affections of people. I wonder if he's actually given some of the White Caps players little treats and that's maybe why they're, they're playing better. Maybe he's bringing in some Italian goodies or something. Cannoli. Maybe he's like pumping them full of cannoli. I was wondering which Italian food we were going to bring up. But talking of sweet treats, I think we should find out what is Vanni Sartini's favourite jam? What's your favourite jam? Traffic jam. What's wrong with raspberry? What's wrong with plum? How's about a blob of elderberry on a scone? What's your favourite jam? 
So you're at home, you decide to have some toast or a muffin or a crumpet or something, and you want to have some jam on it. What's your favourite yeah. jam? A blackberry. Oh, I don't think we've had anyone say blackberry before. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, again, 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 because it, it has a kind of a bitter uh, retro taste, and uh, I, I, I don't like sweet, sweet things. So black, black, marmilla... In Italian, we say marmellata di more. I love it. So, to be honest, good. It's really good. <laughs> I, was, I was going to switch that one up and ask you what your favorite pasta was, but I thought we'll stick with jam because that's our segment and I've got a song for that. Yeah. I haven't, haven't got cool. a pasta song. I'll, if I get a pasta song, I'll ask you about pasta. Yeah, okay. What's your favorite jam? Who would have thought it? A left field answer there from Vanni Sartini, Blackberry. I think that's a left field jam. It's not one of your your common no. choices that you'd find on on the table, but yeah, love me a bit of Vanny. He's great entertainment. Glad he's doing so well at the club. But as we mentioned, that victory on Saturday has not been enough to propel the Whitecaps into the playoff places. We'll have a quick look around the MLS West in the standings just now. There was two other games on Saturday involving Western teams and both good results from a Whitecats perspective in their playoff push. Austin 2, RSL 1, huge result for the Caps. The new boys got their seventh win of their inaugural season thanks to a double from DP Cecilio Dominguez. First one came in the 17th minute, second in the 55th minute. The Crylatch was released and pulled one back for RSL in the 64th. Austin thought they'd got a penalty, but it got waved away with video review. Big 2-1 win for Austin. RSL dropping points there. Fantastic stuff for the Whitecaps. As was the other result on Saturday. Dallas nil, Minnesota nil. It could have been even better if Dallas had got the win. But a, a lot of positives for the Whitecaps in this. Minnesota dropped two points. Emmanuel Reynoso got sent off in the last minute for Minnesota after overstretching and ended up stamping out on an ankle. It was unfortunate, but it's going to be a big blow for them in their next game. Ryan Hollingshead had a goal ruled out by VAR in the 60th minute. That could have been an even better one for the Whitecaps as well, but the two of the teams that the Whitecaps are chasing, dropping points, it was a pretty darn good Saturday. Sunday was busy. I thought it was a little bit weird that we're coming up for a really busy international window where there's three games in 10 days and you've got a packed MLS schedule on a Sunday. Why would you not play so many of these games on a Saturday? No, I don't know. I don't get it either. Maybe it's just the, the stadiums weren't available. But, or maybe, I don't know, maybe TV because the, or... Yeah, it's most likely TV. That's usually what it rolls. It was weird. Also, you would think they'd be really wanting to avoid Sunday NFL. games anyway. NFL, yeah. Yeah. So I, I just I thought that was really weird. But some interesting results today. Kansas 4, Houston 2, comfortable win for Johnny Russell's men. Temporarily had put SKC top of the table. Johnny Russell hit a brace in that one. Portland-Miami. Now, I had this game on in the background as I was, I was working on some stuff. Portland came away with a 1-0 win. And there wasn't really much to write home about to the last few minutes in this one. The Timbers took the, the lead, Jaroslav Negoza, in the 83rd minute. Miami then had a goal disallowed that Neville was not happy about and kicked one of the advertising hoardings. 
I think that window basically assures all but assures really that the Timbers are a playoff spot now with it, their their big run. Yeah, but, they need to. They would have a need to have a big collapse if they yeah, were to the top. The, the top four is pretty much. Well, that's now. always that's always said about the Galaxy. Look where they are right now. But, yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, the, the, the top four just now: Seattle first on fifty four from twenty seven, KC yeah. fifty two from twenty eight, and then, then you've got Colorado, and then well, you've got the the Timbers and forty eight and forty six respectively. Yeah, I think I think they're both they're both of those teams are safe. Uh, like I said, it has to be a massive collapse in order for them. I think Portland's only got six games to go, um, so you split those wins and they they're basically in the playoffs for sure. Yeah, but the the LA derby was one that was massive for the Whitecaps today, and I think a draw was probably going to be the ideal result from a Whitecaps perspective. An LAFC win wouldn't have been too bad. I wanted anything basically but the Galaxy to win because the more teams you keep down that the Whitecaps can catch realistically, then you've given yourself a shot because it's three... You're you're basically looking at three spots that's up for grabs right now and they're all very much up for grabs. So you want the Galaxy to continue that, that bad run. And it was two first-half goals in this one. LAFC took the lead through their young 18-year-old Senghalese standout, Mamdou Fall. Great header, 11 minutes in. Another goal where he jumped with three defenders around him that did nothing. It was a weekend for it. But then the Galaxy tied it up with a lovely goal. Good sir! Got the goal, eight minutes later. And that was it. It wasn't the most exciting LA derby that we've seen. Chicho Rito seems to have just struggled after coming back from injury and I think everyone thought, oh, he's going to be the MVP and the Golden Boot winner and the Galaxy's going to be in the playoffs. But it kind of shows that without him firing, they are struggling. Yeah, and LAFC is struggling after getting rid of some of their players that they were was part of their team, part of their yeah. core. It's uh, just bad timing. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes you don't want to mess. You know, you know, even though it's for your betterment for your future, it definitely affects your current season. Yeah, um, I mean, letting Mark Anthony Key go was one thing, but Diego Rossi was just so important to them. And I, I know, like MLS, it's always going to be a league where if if big European leagues or teams come in, the players they want to play there, so yeah. it's hard to stand in their way. But from LAFC's point of view, you, you can't just let guys like that walk out the door and not like fully replace them. And by that point, it was too late to really fully yeah, replace them. You kind of hope that they get do like a New England thing where they're able to sell the player to keep them like they, uh, New England did with Buchanan. Uh, but obviously, the, I guess the, the team that wanted Rossi just really wanted him and they didn't want yeah. to wait. Huh. But I mean, that, that draw ended up meaning that Salt Lake are fifth with 39 points from 28 games. LA Galaxy, 39 now from 28 as well. They're sixth. Minnesota, 38 from 27. Whitecaps are eighth with 37 from 27. LAFC, 34 from 28. And you can see that San Jose is still hanging around, really, 33 from 28. Dallas, Houston, Austin, the three Texan teams, they're toast. But... The last game of the weekend was an important one from a Whitecaps perspective as well because it's also the Whitecaps' next opponents in Seattle Sounders. And it was a 3-0 win 
for Seattle in this one. It was an, an impressive performance. It was a workmanlike effort. Zach's shaking his head. I think that's just because he's sad that the Sounders won so easily. Three first-half goals. Christian Roldan, Jimmy Medranda, João Paulo. They were coasting by half-time. Now, the goals, I think the Whitecaps need to watch that game tape. And they need to be looking at, you cannot defend like this. You cannot give these guys free shots and goals from like 14 yards out. You've got to mark a lot better. So in many ways, it was a great game from a Whitecaps perspective because I think they'll learn a lot of how not to play against the Sounders next weekend. Yeah, and sometimes that's more important than like the, the result that comes. And even then, Seattle, you knew Seattle was going to pick it up because they're playing a team that's close to them in the standings. Well, yeah, because like, this could all be about playoff positioning, home field yeah. advantage. Because if, if it had gone the other way, they both would be tied at 51. And yeah, Kansas City, and would, have Kansas been City would be top and get the first yeah. round by in the playoffs. I mean, this was a massive game from the Sounders and they, they stepped it up. Colorado did get uh, Lucas Estevez sent off just past the hour mark. It was not a sending off for me. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. He never touched the guy. It was it was ridiculous, and it there wasn't clear and obvious thing to overturn it apparently. But check that out if you haven't seen it, because I thought it was ridiculous. But yeah, the Sounders is next up for the Caps next Saturday. It's the rescheduled game because of the League's Cup, and it means that the White Caps are going to be missing three players for this. Obviously, it falls during the international break. So Max Crapo, Lucas Cavallini, they're away with Canada. Javain Brown away with Jamaica, off his own accord, I believe as well. The Sounders are going to be missing five players. The Roldan brothers are both away, one with El Salvador, one with the US. Nuhu's away with Cameroon. Ariaga's away with Ecuador. And thankfully, Raul Ruiz Diaz is away with Peru. Hopefully enjoying his marmalade sandwiches in the process. So Cava's uh, knock injury, whatever, is not going to keep him away from being with Canada again? We'll come to Canada in part three, but he is away. Yes. But he is day-to-day, and they're going to manage the injury in that camp. But but was it the same injury? It wasn't, or, or was it like a... Well, it was like, knee, was a... so I don't know if it had kind of re-twinged it or what, but... Yeah. Again, shouldn't have come back when he came back. The, the last time these two teams met, it was a 2-0 draw in Seattle, June 26th. And that is basically what kick-started the Whitecaps' good run of form. They'd, they've only lost two games in their 18 since, or 17 since that, because that was one of the, the 18. So I think that was the, the point of the season where things turned around and it made us think, you know what, this team can be competitive, Steve. Yeah. And, and, and for, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they had a good shot at winning that game too, if I'm mm. not mistaken, and late, late in the game. Um, so it yeah definitely gave them the confidence that they could they can compete with teams that are above them and I think uh, I, I think mentally because prior to that they were losing a lot of games late in the late in the thing and this one was yeah it was still dropping a points late but it still showed that they were able to hang with the bigger boys and I think and I think yeah I think after that you're right it just pushed them propelled them forward and more results. And I don't think anyone expected them to get anything from that game. I know I didn't, Naveed, but I don't really expect them to get anything from this game coming up either. So maybe we can expect a draw. Yeah, uh, I mean, especially coming off 
this performance tonight, three nothing. Mm. And but even though if they're missing all these players, I'm sure all these other players are like stepping in. I mean, they want to take their opportunity and show Brian Schmetzer that they can get the job done as well. So it's going to be a tricky one. I think it's not going to be as easy as we would think, even though those guys are missing those five key players. Yeah, I mean that's what gives me a bit of hope, Zach. Yeah. The the other thing as well, you you've got your next three games. We've got Seattle. We've got Sport in Kansas City, so you've got the top two teams in the West. Then you've got the fourth best team in the West in Portland as well. Kansas City, the only home one in that. Three tough games. Realistically, what do you see the Whitecaps getting? What would be a good points haul to get from this? It's hard to see them getting more than three. Mm -hmm. I mean... Is that being too too pessimistic? No, I, 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 I feel, I, I, I feel like optimistic games. lately. Yeah. I think if they win one of those three games, especially maybe against Portland, um, I think they can't be too disappointed. Well, I mean, they'll be disappointed, but you know what I mean? I think, I think four I think, would be a good hole. Yeah, yeah, I think they can get four. I think it's possible to get four, when, but I, I don't know. I, yeah? I wouldn't bet on it, but I would definitely think they can get four off this thing. So you I have think, to win your home, win, home game. That's a must win. Yeah, well, the, the yeah. Kansas City one, I, it's tough. Kansas City aren't great away from home. So, I mean, there's that element they, of it. But they are probably the more talented team of the three. And I'm, I'm basing it on the fact that who Seattle's going to be missing yeah. as well. Mm. So, there will be the more talented lineup of the three that they're going to play. And But it is the only one at home. So, it's going to be odd. I guarantee it's going to be something weird where they draw in Seattle lose to Kansas City and then win in Portland. Yeah. It's, it's going to be something Do odd. You know that's, that's the white cap Exactly. Yeah. Michael, how many how many Aaron Brews are you going to share with uh, Johnny? I mean, can't you... Well, I mean, at COVID restrictions, probably yeah. only six. Which is enough to get him absolutely jacked up for the game and probably then fall asleep in the second half. So, I mean, that, that'll help. I don't think I'll get a hug from him this time. <laughs> he hugged me and then a pandemic hit. That's yeah. That's all I can say. If we get four from these three games, I think that's good. If we get more than four, I'll be cock-a-hoop. If we only end up with three points, ah, not the end of the world, depending how other results go, but could be costly. If we don't take anything from these three games, I think we're in a mess. Yeah, it's going to be zero to recover. Yeah. It, it's it's going to be all depending on what goes on around us because all the other teams are going to be messing up. Well, yeah, everyone's going to be taking points off each other. Looking yeah. at the form guide in MLS... For the, the last eight matches, the Whitecaps have the fourth best record throughout MLS. Portland's first with 22 points from eight games. New England second with 19 from their eight. Seattle third with 18 from their eight. And then the Whitecaps fourth, 17 from their last eight games. Absolutely tremendous run of form that the, the team's on just now. I think that's what can maybe give us a, a bit of hope. Yeah, thank God there's no CPL teams in MLS. <laughs> yes, we're, we're ignoring that result altogether. <laughs> great shot. Great, great shot. Also, that was more than eight games ago, so technically it doesn't count for this. Or was it more than eight games ago? No, I think oh, it was. Oh, no, it was the eighth no, game. So. <laughs> Last thing I just want to mention in this part is there's another MLS coaching vacancy. Chicago's wiki has gone now. I'll be amazed if Almeida doesn't go at the end of the season as well. Maybe Bradley as well, and who knows if the, there's more to come. So there's a there's going to be a lot of of new additions. 
I don't know if anyone saw, there was an article in the MLS website. They were pitching some names that they thought could be, be coaching candidates. There was a lot of people saying Bob Bradley, possibly to TFC, but also possibly if he fancies a new challenge and takes on a new expansion team, maybe going to St. Louis. What do you think of that one? All up in the air. I think that was a, the, the St. Louis would be. A, I think all these expansion teams are just going to want to spend money right off the bat. It might not be the ben, most benefit thing for them, but they all want to do it because they want to be. Um, they want to climb to the top right away. Well, and they the, and they want to take advantage of the extra allocation money they have, and that's something that Bob has experience with. So, uh, and he did obviously he didn't reach the summit that Atlanta did, but he came pretty close. Like he did pretty well, and so maybe they'll. Look at his experience with that, and ignore what's going to happen on the, the the way down from the you know um, extra allocation money. I, I'll just throw out a couple of the other names that were in this article: Antonio Conte, because oh, he wow. said he'd like to coach an MLS. That's a big one. I can't see that. That's, they, they, they said that's CFC ML- would be the most enticing spot. Yeah, that's just them trying to you mm-hmm. know clickbait or whatever yeah they, they did link one person that they thought would be good for the white caps and it's a guy i don't know antonio muhammad he was with monterey um he's been unemployed since then he was apparently on the short list for the the shiva squad lahara job um he said he's looking for an intriguing project for his next post could that be the white caps no, I'm not looking for somebody that's looking for a project. I'm looking for somebody that <laughs> wants the results. All right. I think we had enough projects. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that is it for our chat for this part. But we're going to delve in a little bit more with looking at the Whitecaps' defence and the attack next. And we're going to be chatting about all of that after this. Hi, I'm Vanni Sartini, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. One, two, three, four... Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our new Artist of the Month here at AFTN for October. G'day everybody, we're going down under, it's the chats. 
from the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. That was their song Smoko, and that was the song that brought them to a lot of attention around the world. It's from their second EP from 2017, Get This In Ya. And a Smoko is a, an Australian institution. We would probably call it a tea break in the UK. I don't know, I guess you guys would call it a tea break here. But in, in Australia, they have smokos, where folk just go for a cigarette and a cup of tea and stuff. So they've got that song, Smoko. They're Artists of the Month. They're a three-piece band. They've got some really good stuff. A lot of kind of old-style punk new wave sound. I've got some fun songs that I'm going to be bringing you for them for the rest of the month. Hope you enjoy it. We're going to talk a little bit more Whitecaps, though, in this part. And I want to chat... First of all, a little bit more about the Whitecaps' defence. Now, I mentioned last part that in Vanny's seven games in charge, he's given up four goals, but there's been three straight clean sheets. Max Cropot has moved to 332 minutes now without giving up a goal. This three-at-the-back weirdness seems to be working. And Vanny said after the, the, the game, Steve, that... A lot of the the work and the success that the defence has had just now is because of the defensive work of the midfield and, and the forwards. He feels that the San Jose game was a masterclass for the three up top and the, the three at the back being used to their full potential and making life miserable for, for the opposition. Yeah, and that's the whole thing about like putting pressure on teams as they're entering the final third and everything. And if you can do that, like we talked about it before, the goals that they've given up, even again, well, with Vanny as the coach, but some of the goals they've given up, they've just given too much space um, to the opposition. Yeah, like, they've been they, well closing down of late. Yeah, and, and the, they have easy, like, crosses into the box. And when you get, like, a, a cross that's, like, basically on a silver platter, uh, no defense in the world can, like, be able to predict where that ball is going to go all the time. And if it just hits the right spot, that attacker is just going to nail it in. And that's why you need to limit those numbers. Like a few chances here and there are going to get in. But even if the chances get in, if you apply pressure on them, they're not going to be able to deliver the ball as cleanly as you, you know you want when there's nothing on them. And if he knows about, like he, he knows this kind of stuff, when, when there's a, somebody attacking you and coming right at you, it's not that easy to cross the ball in. Right. hundred percent agree. I'm actually even surprised how, I mean, Dahomey as a wing back on the left, I thought he's not. Yeah, he struggled initially, but he's he's yeah. put a pretty good shift in the last. Yeah, yeah he's, he's coming me. to his own. Mm. What have you made of it, Zach? Yeah, I think they've drastically improved defensively. It's it's hard not to separate it from some of the wacky stuff we talked about before in terms of. Um, squad selection in particular kind of playing four central midfielders across that four mm-hmm. with two of them sort of playing as wing backs like we saw at one point with Metcalf, uh, and it was Metcalf on yeah. one side and I can't remember who was on the other side but it, maybe Russell um, you know but to, to their credit it's been it's been effective um, I think I uh, part of me like wonders how much longer it can last though like again not to be overly critical of him of some of these players but because they have been getting results but like two or three or what i think was three games ago when andy rose stepped back into the team i thought oh no 
Uh, or actually, no, I thought, oh yeah, he needed to. There was an injury or something mm-hmm. or whatever, and so I thought he and he had a, you know a great performance. But I was surprised that he's you know played in the subsequent two or three games. Um, well, it's kind of he has, which again, must though, because I know, I know. Part of, part, of that, part of it is that. Um, but again, also with like Jake, like yeah, Jake at a center back in a back in a back three as yeah one of your back three. I, I never would have thought that that would work in a million years. And it, and it and it for again for the most part has so that that's really surprised me. I think he's looked really good there. It's kind of given him a, a new lease of life. It feels. Well, isn't it? Am I mistaken though? But isn't one of the when you play a back three? Isn't one of the back three usually kind of a combo center back slash fullback? Typically, in most of the of, often, but of course, uh-huh. Javine Brown would have been the ideal yeah, person. He would for be that. A, exactly, and that's where it confuses me. Where. They put Jake in the back three and they put Javane Brown on the wing. Mm. Maybe they just like his attacking more than the whiskey. That's why they do that. Possibly. I, I don't know. But let, let's hear a little bit of audio just now from Vanny, just t- talking about the improvement in the in the defence these last few games. Four goals against, three straight shutouts. Uh, aside from being a genius and putting Jake Nerwinski at centre back, in a three at the back. Uh, what defensive adjustments have you made uh, to contribute toward this run? I think the, the the way that we defend starts with the way that the strikers defend. And the, our strikers defend fantastically. So Brian White, uh, uh, today Tabor, Caicedo and, uh, and Ryan Gold, they did fantastically. And the wing back, they were always aggressive. And so that one uh, allowed uh, the back three to be always, like say, secure and aggressive. And, uh, you know, we, we discussed a lot of time. I, I firmly believe in, uh, in zonal marking and trying to, to be always in numerical superiority on the side of the ball and not being cared so much about the men. And I think that today was uh, a masterclass, to be honest, in the, uh, of our three up top and the four, four midfielders uh, because they made the life of the three defenders much easier, and the three defenders they played very well. Mark Mark also talked about that about the the, the uh, defense starting with the pressure of the strikers. But has, are there any adjustments there? Are they doing anything different, or is it just a continuation of uh, what he had been uh, building on? I would say it's a continuation. I would say that uh, it's like uh, uh, the message is still the same. Uh, of course, it's uh, there's a little adjustment in terms of tactics, but it's at the end tactics is just the start of the, the the starting position. I really firmly believe that the more player we put inside, the more difficult for the other team is to play uh, through you. So that's the reason why we play with no wingers, but only wing back, and then uh, basically the other eight players that are that are that their starting position inside in order to 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 press outside. But uh, any tactics doesn't work if there's no commitment by the players. And uh, in the, I don't know, month, month, I don't know now, five weeks, six weeks that I've been in charge, the commitment of the players has been uh, amazing. And so it's just credit to them. So Vanni Sartini there just chatting about the, the Whitecaps' defensive efforts. And, I mean, it is working, but at some stage you're going to kind of be not as 
confusing to the opposition because they're going to have a lot of game tape. They're going to know what you're doing. They're going to work out ways to play it no matter who ends up playing in there. I, I think a, a big thing for the defensive turnaround is Florian Jungwert. Mm. Uh, he, he's been immense. Uh, let's just have a quick chat about it. I mean, he... I looked, he, his salary, he's on 567,000 and, and change. Eric Godoy's on 450, Ranko's on 445. Now, the reason I'm mentioning that and the salaries is, before Flo came here, I had been chatting about market training, we were just like, just chatting away about stuff and he said, I, I want to bring in uh, an experienced fullback just for the rest of the season until we can get um, the signing that we want for next year. So I think Flo was meant to be a stopgap. I think he's a lot more than that now. I can't see why you would want to get rid of him. No, I agree with that. And I think there are other centre-backs that you could probably unload at this point now. It gives you that opening. Yeah. Like Godoy's one of them because of his injuries. Unfortunately, it's because of his injuries. Like Other than that... When, he, when he's 100% healthy, Godoy is probably the best center back on the team. Problem is, is you can't rely on somebody that's on the injury list all the yeah. time. I mean, Godoy issue, and yeah. Flo together would be immense, but I don't know how yeah. often we'd get to see it. Yeah. And I think, like, like the ideal back three, if everybody's healthy, is Ranko, Youngworth, and Godoy in that Jake Nowitzki right mm. back slash center back role where he can move forward a lot. And I think that would be a fantastic back three. Unfortunately, when you know you're missing a third of that back three all the time, it seems it, like it's not going to happen. Well, that's one of the things that's been so shocking about Jake is he's not playing the the right side of the back three; he's playing the left side. Of, yeah. Oh, that's a very good point of the, back, of the back three. Very good point. Which he's also played obviously more left back this year than I think he's ever played in his life, or definitely in his professional career. Um, I, 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 I'm interested to see what's going to happen with uh, DC. Will he? Will he oh, get a? I'd forgotten uh, all about him. Yeah, will he uh, get bought? He, I mean, he's in the Canada squad again, I believe, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. will he get bought, or will he get his loan extended, or will he come back? He's not going to want to come back, I don't think. Although under a new coach, you never know. You never know. And, well, and the thing is, he's got a it's an eighteen month loan, so he's there for until like for the full next year. Yeah, except, then, except but for, he got a, he got an extended contract as well. So if they do want to buy him. Um, they have that like his contract's not going to expire after his loan. Except for the Whitecaps could bring him back in January if they decided. Yeah, they can oh. they can terminate the loan. Sadly, oh, we've had that a lot at East Fife in recent seasons. Guys come and loan, they do well, and then as soon as they do well, the parent club brings them back. We we lost our big league leading striker that way last season. Michael, you're not bitter, are you? Just a just a tad. I really uh, think actually, sorry to interrupt you, Michael. With going back to Flo, uh, the way just he carries himself, I think. I hope, I mean, the way it seems like he seems like a vocal guy and he has potential in actually taking on the leadership role here on this team, the way yeah. he is. And, and uh, yeah, I could totally see that. That'd be awesome, I think. I think, though, once you've been in Europe and done mm-hmm. well in Europe, I mean, his experience in Europe the last time wasn't great. So if he has a good experience this time, I think it's tough for these guys to then decide to, to come back. Mm. But, like... Personally, and I know it's a small sample size, I would sign Flo up on a new deal and keep him here for the rest of his career. He's still How old young. is he? 
he's 32-33, so yeah. he's he's uh-huh. still got a lot left in him. But there was a lot of chat on Twitter, and I mentioned this at the top of the show, folk comparing him to Andy O'Brien in the sense of what he brings organisationally, leadership-wise to that defence, vocally, and uh-huh. just how he carries himself. And it has felt a long time since we've had a guy that's been doing that at the back. If you sign him, the question is then you bring Andy Rose back. I don't I can't see that. No. I I think I mean, Andy, I don't think, was meant to play as much as he's played this season. Yeah. And if, if mm-hmm. Godoy and Ranko had stayed healthy all season, I don't think we would have seen anywhere as much of Andy Rose. Mm-hmm. Although maybe maybe we still would have because Mark was very high on what yeah. he brought to to the defense. Yeah, for me it's like if 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 Youngworth does come back, I think probably uh, two players that probably are probably going to move on are Godoy and Rose. Rose, I think, like Youngworth is probably an upgraded version of Rose. Yeah, where he actually is a center back and he's got the MLS experience and he's mm-hmm. veteran. Right. So I think he would be ideal as that position. I I don't see Rose moving on, but I kind of see him more transitioning mainly no, to that's coaching. What I mean. I, and I then mean by, get. I mean. I mean, by the, moving on yeah. from the roster. Yeah. Like, give, give him a small contract, but he's mostly doing coaching and he's there as your emergency backup. Yeah. How, how these decisions are made will be interesting, too. How many of these players will um, those within the organization predetermine are not coming back? And how many right. will they say, hey, new coach, mm-hmm. what do you think? Or, you well, know, that's that the thing, thing as well, because it's yeah. like a new coach might come and say, I don't want this guy. Or the player might be like, I don't want to play for this coach. I'd like to move on. Yeah. Like Martin Murney was told, hey, Eric and Davide, we're not going to be extending their contracts. You can replace them. So that's why he brought in Robson and Miller. Right? Yeah, and like, Mark was told, you're not getting Kai Kamara and Kendall. So Yeah. <laughs> or, or almost anyone else. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or you show up with the New Jersey and post it on Twitter, Camino. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, Flo, Flo's been great and... If we can get, as as Steve says, a back three going into the the business end of the season, hopefully going into the playoffs of Ranko, Godoy and Florian, that is huge. And you need a couple of games for them to play together to get a bit of chemistry going as well. But yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But we had our fun interview with Flo a couple of episodes ago. There was, of course, one burning question that we didn't find out about him. Does Florian Youngwort fancy a chocolate digestive? If you're sitting at home and you decide to have a, a hot beverage, what would be your hot beverage of choice? A tea, a coffee, something else? It would be coffee, yeah. Uh, do you have a sweet tooth? Do you like biscuits, cakes with your coffee? No, usually not. Just on cheat day. There's one desert I love that's from Austria. It's called Kaiserschmann. That's the best in the world. But unfortunately, I haven't found any place in the US who serves that. But I'd love to have that to my coffee. I have never heard of that. I will. I will look into that. I've, I've had some, I've, like, I've had German sweet treats and like obviously Lebkuchen and stuff at Christmas yeah, time. I love Lebkuchen. True. Then I take the Lebkuchen because they sell it here too. So it's good. Yeah, you can definitely get that here. Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? 
No chocolate digestive for Florian Junkwert there, but he doesn't mind a bit of Leibkuchen. I'm sure you do as well, Zach. <laughs> I had money on a possible, like, he enjoys the dog biscuits because he's such a dog lover. Some of, them, some, of them are, some of them are tasty. I've heard that. We've I've all made that mistake. Yeah. Really? I've never had one myself, but I've heard from dog owners that they've actually, they taste it to make sure they like it. That way they know the dog likes it. Michael, did you dunk it first or... Oh, no, just dry. I only buy, like, treats that are human-grade. So. Cake is... Oh, oh, nice. Cake is not my favorite thing, that's for sure. No, but that dessert that, that Flo mentioned there, I definitely need to check that out. I still haven't looked up to see where it is, so I don't know. But that, that's a defensive chat over. Let's move to the other end of the pitch, the attack. Let's talk about the big talking point. Brian White... Versus Lucas Cavallini. Which one has a future at the White Caps? Do they both have a future at the White Caps? Let me give you some stats. Brian White. 20 games as a White Cap, 17 starts. 1 3 8 7 minutes played. 9 goals. 1 assist. That's a goal every 154 minutes, so about 2.5 games. His best ever season in MLS was in 2019 where he scored nine goals and had two assists. So it's pretty much we're equaling the, the best season there. That was in 19 games, 17 of those were starts, and 1,345 minutes. So very, very similar to what he achieved with, with New York Red Bulls in 2019. Consistent. That's what you want. Lucas Cavallini. Over two seasons as a white cap. Nine goals, the same as Brian White. One assist, the same as Brian White. From 34 games played, 14 more. 29 of them starts, 12 more. And 2,588 minutes played. So you're looking at 1,200 minutes more. He has a goal every 287 and a half minutes. Which for your high-priced designated player striker is not what you have him here to do. This season, three goals from 16 games, 13 of those starts. He hasn't scored in his last five games, Cava. He's got just two goals in his last 15. White is five now in his last four games, and he's scored in six of his last 10. Thoughts to unpack some of that, guys. Let's start with Steve. I will bring up again, uh, and this might be like my thing I keep bringing up, but how many games did that Lucas Cavallini play with Ryan Gold and how many games did he, uh, Brian White play with Ryan Gold and how, when he scored those goals? Drake That's White the, has played more. Yeah, so you have to, like, like, when you don't have somebody feeding the ball, like Cavallini probably thought he had to, has to do so much uh-huh. in order to get the attack going, and that's why you always saw him in the midfield uh, because he didn't feel like anybody was going to be in the midfield that could provide it. And he was providing a lot of assists, I believe, and part and part of the, some of those goals that were scored early in the season, so I do think that Cavallini is the better striker. But in right now, um, I think Brian White is the striker that the Whitecaps need and on their team. Like he's the the guy that can do the he de, he's not required to do fancy stuff in the all over the pitch. He just needs to be near the ball near the net. He knows he he knows like 
essentially when he needs to be there and and basically you can he, it seems like he can read the trajectory of the ball when it comes into the box and he knows where to be and that's a very key like we discussed before it's a very key thing for strikers to have where Cavallini I'm not sure if he has that or he just hasn't displayed it because he's been doing other things this season question for you Navid does Cavallini even fit in with the style of play that the White Caps are really wanting I don't know what are the four cornerstones that Axel always refers back to, <laughs> or what were they again? We, we should really remember by now, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> were they cornerstones or pillars? I keep well, forgetting. They've been, they've been both. both. Maybe, um, there's, maybe there's eight, and it's keeping yeah. it up. <laughs> Either way, up. I I don't know. Yeah. Like the thing with Cava, he is a good striker. Do not get me wrong. We've seen what he can do with Canada. I just feel the way that the Whitecaps play doesn't yeah. suit his style. And as Steve it, said, not having a number 10 obviously hurt him badly. But that's, I've said that before, before like when, like, and I think I mentioned it in a previous podcast too, multiple times. MDS, the way MDS described his style of play before, it wasn't this, uh, a striker like that is not like Cavallini's type, it doesn't really fit in that style. Where he's always got to be running around attacking, Cavallini. If he, like, I think that's why he gets so many yellow cards too, because he's very aggressive in that style and he doesn't know how to handle himself. Um, like he's aggressive in attacking other the the ball or whatever, or attacking people with the ball, like putting pressure on them. I mean, I personally, I mean, from a Whitecaps perspective, as a fan, you would. I don't think we shouldn't be worried because, let's face it. I mean. I think it comes down to who the new coach is going to be anyways and what he wants to do with his big ticket with a DP spot. But I don't think Brian White would go anywhere because I think Toss is going to be out, to be honest. Yeah, this is probably so, Toss's last season. I, I still feel we could have seen a lot more from Toss. I mean, I yeah. know he's still coming back from injury and stuff, but... So I could see both playing at the same time potentially next year. Then you have Theo Bear, I guess, coming back. Yeah, he's in a good vein of form. If he right. again, if he wants to come back, because again, if he someone wants that's to go. going to Europe and right. doing well, it's like I'm sure they're going to want to keep him if they get promoted, which is looking likely. So if you have Toss gone and Theo not coming back, I mean, you can't have only two strikers. There no. has to be two more coming in. I and guess, like or, White's yeah. salary just now, he go White's in an option year next mm-hmm. year, and his salary just now is two hundred and sixteen thousand. But I don't think a Brian White is not a long term solution. Like he's mm. in a great run of form right now, but he's in not the long term. He's more of a uh, squad type striker that you mm. get off the bench, like mm. that you mm. can fill in. I think the guy you want to get is somebody. If if you're not interested in Cavallini, um, I think you get somebody else. I don't think it's Cavallini versus White. I think mm-hmm. it's Cavallini versus an it's a, exactly the big ticket. That's the question. Well, right now it's Cavallini versus the goal, and he, the, it's not it's not coming off good for him. I mean. Yeah. Zach, the more this has gone on, it's starting to feel to me, and I, like this would be a great question to to ask MDS when we eventually sit down and hopefully have a chat with him. Was Lucas Cavallini his choice to bring in, or was it kind of foisted upon him as the Canadian striker? Yeah, that that would be a good question for him to answer. I I, I think as you look back on his time, though, I think or his time to date, I should say, it does feel like they overspent on him. It doesn't, it does feel like he hasn't really been worth his 
is wages in at least in the, the context of MLS. He he doesn't yeah it doesn't feel like he's been a fit. Although Steve's caveat of he hasn't really had someone to feed him is is partially valid. I think that he you can look at all the numbers you want, but I, I don't think he is not just past the eye test. But when you watch him play, it doesn't feel like he is actually working not working hard enough but working in the right ways and he seldom looks happy on in the pitch. that's the thing yeah. i don't even think he's yeah so yeah michael what you said before about when your coach says hey you're really good at this thing we want to do this yes and then he doesn't do it that's a big thing the yellow cards in and of themselves is one thing but i think the yellow cards are indicative of the fact that he's really poor at defending and a lot of his cards are because he lunges in yeah. in challenges when he should never be lunging in. And, and I don't know, maybe, maybe in stuff. Uruguay and Mexico, he got away with that a lot more. But, no, that's, more that's where, no, but that's where I'm saying that he's not really fit for this. Because they, they want yeah. their strikers to apply pressure. And and, and, and this guy it does, is not probably used to defending, so he defends his own way, which is a reckless way. But that's the and thing. In, in MLS... Remember, remember last year or two years ago, whatever it was, when Montero was trying to defend in the, in the game against Colorado, when he was giving up like uh, uh, penalties and in the in mm, both ways. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was, it was yeah. like, you can't put a striker who doesn't want to defend in a defensive position. Well, the Colombian never should have never been in the box in those in those cases. But, but, yeah. but, for, but in MLS, like we've talked about this in different eras of, of Vancouver and MLS. You, you can't have passengers. Everyone has to defend with the, the frenetic, physical, yeah. athletic nature of the league. Yes, you, that you kind of league. defending. Which yeah. then brings me to the question again of, was Kava the right person to bring here? Because he, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that fits the system that MDS wanted. No. So if that's the case, why would MDS have wanted to bring him here and keep the system why would then he not tailor his system around Kava, or was it the system that he wanted more than Kava? So it's it doesn't make sense in a lot of ways. But obviously, again, hindsight is is a great thing. And when when you put this out on on Twitter, as I did, so many folk are wanting to see the the back of Kava just now. That's obviously on the back of Brian White doing so well. Yeah, I I, I do want to say I think Steve said this as well. I don't think it is a simple. You know, do do you want to have yeah White versus Cava? Because as good as uh, as good as White has been in his limited time in Vancouver, and you hope for him and the the team that he you know he pushes on and does even better in the rest of the season, um, and and his time in Vancouver, he feels White feels to me like the kind of player, if you're smart about it, uh, and we've seen them not maybe fail at this in the past is you get his value up as high as possible and then sell him onto an American team and get as much as you can for him. We used to talk about this with players like, mm. you know, for example, Jake, or mm-hmm. in one sense, maybe Tim Parker. Tim pa- yeah. um, and so I think that's what they really need to do and not see him as like, hey, he's going to be here for five or 10 years or, or no, five years or something. Yeah, I, I, I think when I'm saying Kava v. White, it was more for the rest of this season because yeah, yeah. if Kava moves on next year, which I think he should... For his sake, for the club's sake, for everyone's sake, really, I want another DP striker to come in because I still don't think Brian White... Right now, I ride him like a donkey at Blackpool for the rest of the season. And you just want to to get the best out of him. The, the thing is, is uh, just going. If, if they do go for something next season, 
and, and they go for two strikers up top. It's for me, it's and I don't know why he's not been on the pitch lately, but Diver, uh, he was on yesterday and mm. I thought he played decently. And I think him and, a, and an upgraded striker, I think that could be a good combination or or Dahomey up top with some other striker that kind of fits the system. So I, I think there is a lot of possibilities. I don't think they need two stri- new strikers, I think just one more is good. Again, depends Kava. what the coach wants to yeah, play. Because if a exactly. new coach comes in and goes back to one up front, well, for one thing, it's going to be horrible for us again because it's like I'm enjoying having two up front. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but I think Di- both Diver and Dajo can play in those wide. Like if it's a four-two-three-one, yeah. they can play I, in yeah. those wide. The, the front three are a very fluid. fluid. fluid yeah. to, that's the word of the the moment. I, I want to just read this tweet that I got from Paul Freer, who said, "I never thought I'd say this." But Brian White is a better version of Lucas Cavallini than Lucas Cavallini. He's doing the things that you want Lucas Cavallini to do. The problem is, is like you said before, does he want to do those things? And I think if Lucas Cavallini did what Brian White's trying to do, I think he would score more goals than Brian White at this point. Yeah. yeah. Yes, there's that as well. Now, obviously I said in last week's show, trade him to TFC, get Josie Altidore back. A lot of folk didn't like bringing Josie out the door here, but taking it, that it, aside, it could have it could have uh, something to do with the you know that celebration. Oh. Yeah. He looked so happy in that photo up playing at BC Place. I mean, yeah. he clearly <laughs> wanted to be here. But I, I had a couple of folk message me going, "Why would TFC want him? Why would they want to waste a DP spot on that?" Which well, then Osario. Osorio would want... Would yeah, him and Osorio yeah. could be yeah. together. Or be trading for Osorio. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're gonna, there. We're that's gonna not going to happen. No. He, he could even go to Montreal, honestly. Montreal could use a striker like that, too. I, I just want to end this section, though, by asking, does Cavallini still have a good value? I believe that his market value is going to be dropping on transfer market when they do their, their next updates. Does he, he still... Manual? He may have hinted at that. Does does he still have a value? In MLS, I don't know that he would have a lot of value out with maybe one of the Canadian teams. But the way that he has played for Canada, I think still has a good value if he wants to go to, back to Mexico or maybe yeah, even I, back to South America. I think a lot of teams will look at Cavallini because he's had a decent run here and there with other other leagues. And well, other he did teams. well in Mexico before he yeah. came here. Exactly. So I think a lot of people will draw to the fact that he was playing in, in Vancouver with a depleted side with a very yeah. little support. And they'll think that if they bring him in with their team, that he'll be able to get back to that form. The thing is, is I don't think he's going to have this. I don't think the Whitecaps are going to make money on him or anything like that. Um, I, I think they're going to lose money when they sell him, but they definitely, I don't believe they'll lose that much. And I think they should, um, uh, unload him at this point because you still have that thing where people can use that as an excuse that he didn't have the support. If he comes back and with the support, he still doesn't score, then you got issues. Mm. We could do with him banging a few goals in for Canada in the next yeah. few qualifiers to, and to get his is, value up a little bit. And like you had mentioned before, he scored for Canada and that's where there's a lot of talent on Canada at this point. So he can score with talent surrounding him. Last thing for this part. We've talked about the attack, we've talked about the defence, we've talked about all the rotations and stuff. For me, I want to see a settled lineup as we hit this final stretch. Good luck. A lot, lot of that <laughs> depends on injuries. 
if we can say we're injury free, do you think Vanny will go with a settled lineup, or is he going to be the tinker man for a lot of the rest of this season? I think there's potential in the lineup to tinker with. But I think for the majority of the lineup, I think if, if it's healthy, he'll go with the same. I think he'll see some matchup things where he can put a different player here and there uh, to benefit. But I think more, for the most part, he would set, be settled with the same lineup. Right now, could the four of us agree on the best starting 11 in a 3-4-1-2? Okay. Well, I think uh, goalkeeper, we're, up, we're all max. Yeah. Uh-huh. Back three for me, if everyone's fit, would be Ranko, Godoy, and Flo. Yes. Uh-huh. Sure. We agree yep. with that. Let's miss the midfield for now, because I think that's the bit that we might have the most contentious so, with. Gold is the number 10. Gold's the 10. 10. Are you sure about that? Mm, <laughs> I, I don't know. I wouldn't mind maybe seeing him as a wing-back, just because he hasn't tried that yet. <laughs> um, up front, if both fit, and despite everything I've just said, Kava and White. Yes. But then where do you put Caicedo? Yeah, that's, well, that's would, the, so. this is the this is the problem. I'm with Michael on that. Though. I would go with White. I mean, you have to put you, at this point if if you put White out. I mean, he's the most informed player. So then, super sub Caicedo. Yeah, the mm-hmm. home is on the left or the right of you. That mm-hmm. midfield. Well, yeah, and but then, then Caicedo Gugier- might start ahead of the home at times just because the home is no up and down. No, uh, you got no, Brown playing on the right. I think. No, I think you got, if everybody's healthy, you got Dahomey on the right and Gutierrez on the left. Oh, yeah, Gutierrez. Oh, right, Gutierrez, yeah. right. And right, then you right, got right. the other, your other two midfielders are a combination. This is where you can this tinker the here and there. Bit. Yeah. Yeah, you mm. could do Tybert, Owusu, and Bikel, one of those like combinations. Because Owusu's it, coming it, on to his game. What? It's well, Bikel and Owusu. Oh, I know, but I'm just saying you can put Tybert in in certain situations where you need a little bit of a different type player. Who did it you say, depends. Zach and Owusu? It's Bikel and Owusu. Mm. I, I think Tiber's played decently here and there. Mm. I think he can be beneficial in some games. Like he's got the he can be like a like basically a, a thorn in the other opposite side defensively, where he irritates the hell out of him. And I, I don't see Owusu and Bikel doing that. So I think you, it depends on who they're lined up against. Interesting. You got to yeah. let him tinker so, a little bit. So so amongst us, we're not that far off. Yeah, no. okay. the midfield's the toughest bet. And then, depending on what you do with the midfield, depending on what you do with your front two as well. well I think I forgot about Gutierrez. If Gutierrez yeah. is there, he's I think playing on the left. Gutierrez yeah. on the left and, and uh, Dajo on the right. And I think that's, yeah. Assuming I think Guti comes I back in your... that form. But then you've also got Javane Brown, who's been in great form as well. Yeah, but he's he's your sub to come yeah. in on yeah. the other side. And uh, Caicedo is your speedy guy to come on. Yeah. Well, if, any, if everybody's healthy, don't, remember, don't forget that we got Kyle, but he's definitely not going to be healthy by. Oh yeah. oh yeah, yeah. But he would be a good. Hey, don't person. forget, don't forget Pedro. He might, he might appear at some point. <laughs> yeah, if Kai, if Caio was available, then maybe I would probably go Bickle and Caio. Has Baldy been playing lately? He's not. Uh, for me, I know folk are wanting the young Canadians to play. Uh, Baldy has had some good games. He's had some bad games. Metcalf's had a couple of decent performances, a couple of bad performances. They're not starters for me right now in this mm. team. And I, you've got to go with the guys that can get you over the line. And I don't think of those course, two yeah. guys can... Like Baldy, when he can come on, if he can show some magic, it's great. Bring him on and for 15, 20 minutes at the end. Was he injured again? Like, Has he fully recovered from that heel yeah, issue, he's, Michael? He, yeah, he was just... He didn't have a good game against Houston. 
Um, but he was playing as a centre back. Yeah, right. he should not be playing as a centre back. And not even playing as a wide centre back, the middle centre back, yeah. which is odd. Wait, that's not an wide centre back. Well, they, yeah. they put they put him there though because he's been all season when he's been playing, he's been dropping deep between the centre backs to be yeah. the playmaker out of the back. Yeah, yeah, it made it made some sense, but yeah, it was kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. This is a nice problem to have, and it's a problem I think two months ago we didn't think would be. Oh, we've got this wealth of talent. Which ones can we afford to drop to try and get us into the playoffs? It wasn't looking good two months ago, so. Well, you also didn't think okay, why you would have three times the goal of Cava, right? Which no. makes part of the. I did have Dahomey and Cava both get into double figures at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Good luck let's, with that. Let's just change that for White and and Dahomey. <laughs> But anyway, that is it for our Whitecaps chat. We're going to be turning our attention to the international scene next for the final part. Canada's back at it in World Cup qualifiers. The quest for Qatar gets even closer. We'll be back chatting about that after this. Hi, I'm Maxine Kippel from the Vancouver Whitecaps and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part from the Isle of Wight. Not white, but it's imagine Brian White being on an island all on his own. That's what strikers usually are in Vancouver. Not at the moment. Anyway, I digress. From the Isle of Wight, a two-piece band. Wet Leg, and that is their new single, Chaise Long. They've been getting a lot of airplay and attention over in the UK. Great band. They've got a couple of songs out just now. Check them out. Let me know what you think about them. I like my my female bands. We've had a couple of them on the show this year. But let's get back to the football chat now. We're going to turn our attention to the international scene. Canada's back at it with three massive games coming up in World Cup qualifying. Mexico away. Jamaica away. They're going there of their own accord, although I'm sure they'd rather be playing at home, and Panama at home. Three games in a 10-day period. John Herdman has named a 27-man squad for this one. 
But there are a few injury concerns. Kyle Larn, Atiba Hutchinson, Milan Borjan, Lucas Cavallini. All guys going into these games, nursing injuries. Herdman says that there, there's a plan to manage those injuries in the camp. He's hopeful, though, or there's a chance, he says, that the first three, at least, may see some time during this 10-day window. But it's some big games coming up. It starts off in Mexico. Now, obviously, Canada played Mexico in the Gold Cup. It was a close Close one there, Zach, but it was a very different Mexican team. You're going into a hostile Azteca as well. Fans there. It's an exciting group of games coming up. I I don't know what you take from, from the Mexico game, if you can get something from this one, but Jamaica away feels winnable. Panama at home. Feels, feels like a must win. Must, yeah. Uh, it, it was good that um, Max got that that game game uh, that match in the Gold Cup against Mexico. Because yeah, I, I mean, I think it might be needed. <laughs> yeah, because Borian didn't play in Europe for Belgrade's win last week, um, and yeah, I've heard that it's not it's not looking good, and that Max will be starting against Mexico. I saw for him. I hope he does, and I hope it goes oh, he's, well. He's- Going into the game in superb form in the back of three clean sheets. So, I mean, totally. he couldn't be in much better form. Totally. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, and you already, we already talked about this, but Mexico got out of this being in an empty stadium, right? Yes. They only had yeah. to do the one game thing. So, they're going to be cramming the fans in. There'll be bags of piss and who knows what going at Batteries and head. coins and, yeah. Hedman um, joked on his, on his call when he announced the roster of that game against Mexico at the Gold Cup, he said, every 10 minutes there was bottles of stuff flying over my head. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting for, for Canada in that. Uh, if they can go in there and get something, like if they can go in and oh, get a draw, that massive. would just be superb. And Mexico's um, not been blowing everyone away so no, far I starting this know, off. No. There's that too. Yeah, so I think, I, I wouldn't say they're ripe for the picking, but I think that there is a... There's a there's an opportunity here for Canada, and I think a, a draw would be so so respectable and so cool, so such a great step. Um, and, and we've seen teams, we've seen I think Montreal has gone into Azteca in a cl- at club level and got a draw and got a yep. result. So, so um, obviously this is different, but that was an encouraging sign. Um, so yeah, the Jamaica game, Canada Jamaica is not in a good way right now. And Canada needs to win. That's an away game that Canada really needs to lay down a marker and show that they can win on the road with this group of players in CONCACAF at this high level of competition with all uh-huh. of the line. And then you're right. Panama has been doing really well, but Canada has to beat them at home. There can be no excuses, but like Canada just has to win that game. And so I, again, I think if they can come out of this with seven points, I think that that will be encouraging and that will keep them in the, hopefully keep them in the top three. Yeah, I mean, Steve, we talked about this with the Whitecaps, with their next three games coming up, six points from this would be fantastic for for Canada. Do you you see it being likely? Could they get more? Well, I think that uh, uh, ideally it would be seven would be the ideal number of points they can get out of it. Six, I think, is doable. And I think uh, the point total uh, to be disappointed with would be like four. Like if they get four points, actually, I'd be disappointed. Anything four or less. Um, so, so little room for error. That's the thing. Yeah, and the thing is, it's it, it, again, uh, we talked about it with the Whitecaps. It all depends on what's going on around you too, because who would have known that so many points were dropped by in the other games as well? Yeah. So, um, I mean, so right it, now, Canada's sitting second on five points. 
Yeah, that's a very low point total. I would have thought to be second second place at that time. So I think there is there is opportunity to move up. Uh, but you, again, like the U.S. this time might have a good form in these their uh, three games. Um, yeah, because they played Jamaica on Thursday, and then they're away to Panama uh, on Sunday, and then they're at home to Costa Rica. So actually, they actually I didn't realize that they have. Uh, uh, they have they do have the one easy game, but the next two that other two games are pretty um, uh, tough. There, uh, I, I would not be surprised if Panama come away with a win in that. Yeah, it's in Panama. It's US has been up and down. Who, and who that, knows who might break protocols yeah. and and get kicked out of the squad? And it might be beneficial. Up your sisters. Yeah, um, it might be beneficial that uh, Panama does have that game for Canada as well, playing the US in the middle the second game and then having to travel up to Canada. So that might actually, uh, I, I think six points is definitely doable. And I think I'd be okay with that. I'd love to see seven, but uh, six points would definitely be doable. I mean, the thing is, Naveed, that Panama game, it has to be a must win. You're looking at the table just now, you're both on five points. Panama are away to El Salvador, which isn't easy, but the way that mm-hmm. Panama are doing just now, I'd expect them to get at least a point there. That home game against the US, if they can beat the US, they're going to come into Toronto full of confidence and feel right. that they can get something from this one. And I would think they'll play a bit defensive, a bit mm-hmm. heavy-handed, and that could be an interesting one for Canada. Yeah. The one game, I mean, I'm kind of worried about, and I think most of us feel actually comfortable about, that we're going to get three points. This is a Jamaica game for some odd reason. I mean, everyone would expect us to get three points in Jamaica, I think, but the environment you go in there, I don't know. It's a well, tricky they've been up and down as well. Because, I mean, yeah. they've only got one point from their, their three games. They haven't been playing terribly, though. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Right. And I don't know. They're playing Kingston. I think the whole environment over there is it's a tough one over there. And I think as a, from a player's perspective, in Mexico, they're going to be up for it. They're going to love it playing, I mean, at Steca and with all the crowd. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised really if they get the point, even if you consider that Mexico is not like fly, high flying right now and like top notch. So I could see them getting a point in Mexico. Jamaica will be, that's a question mark to me. Panama, you have to, uh, I think, home game. They all know they have to get. The the thing is about Panama Jamaica though is they their one home game they lost three nil to Panama. So oh, Jamaica, uh, yeah, oh, Jamaica. Yeah. But That's, then they went to the Azteca, although that was the closed doors game, and it was two one. Two one lost, yeah, yeah, just lost. But they didn't play apparently that well. I don't. I remember hearing that that Mexico should have won that game. Yeah, very they, easily. they should. And then they drew yeah. with Costa Rica, which I think, off the I top think, of my head, I'm sure they were leading in. Yeah, mm. and 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 oh, no, so they, I, they were they came from behind in that. But the thing is, is uh, of their own accord. Uh, but they, um, but that that's the game that uh, that I think shows that Jamaica might have something. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you're right; it all depends on how they, because they are playing. They were going to be in the U.S., and if they're worn down from that game, then it it does affect them it, it, coming back home. The, the other interesting thing about this round of games is. It's different than the last one in that the game, the way it's set up last time, it was almost an easier, easier decisions, I think, for the Herdman and the coaches because uh-huh. it was your difficult game was in the middle. So it was easy to go all, try and go all in the first game, maybe 
rest players in the second game and then go all out again in thir- the third game because you had to you had to win that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this time it's uh, it's uh, the, the the game you know that was the U.S. last time in the middle game. This time the Mexico game's first as opposed to in the middle. If yeah. this Mexico game was in the middle, I think you would see the strongest possible lineup against Jamaica, wow. mm-hmm. a little you know a one B against uh, Mexico, and then a full lineup again uh, for Panama at home. So that's I think going to be interesting to see how uh herdman chooses to tra- to traverse that with his are, are they are they still doing the three subs or is it five subs i can't recall it's got to be five because it's five, five. Yeah. five yeah so so that he's got to use the full five subs can someone can someone get fifa uh, people over at ea to update fifa to have five subs? yeah exactly that's <laughs> what i was already do squad he's never 27 man squad for this because of the injuries he's gonna have to to use these subs especially yeah. in that mexican game because uh-huh. you, you want, like, the two games after that are the ones you want to keep the guys fresh from. It does look, though, that Max Cripple is going to, to start in goal for Canada, at least in the Mexico game. Would not be surprised if he starts in goal for all three of these games. Got a chance to ask him a couple of questions about Canada after the, the Whitecaps game with San Jose on Saturday. Here's what he had to tell me. Hey Max, obviously you're missing the, the game next Saturday and it's a big game. You want to be away with Canada. What's your emotions like? Is there part of you wishes, obviously, that you were still staying here? Part of you wishes that are glad that you're going away with Canada. What's your emotions going to be like next weekend? I, uh, you know, I'm going to the national team. Uh, we're in the last phase of qualification. It's two different things, you know, and uh, it's a greater cause. It's to put the country to Qatar, which uh, would be, let's say, it's uh, phenomenal, and it's our goal, and we know it's achievable. So it's like a greater cause, to be honest. And I totally trust them. I totally trust Evan. They can do the same job. Uh, they are great goalkeepers. Uh, we're a team in a team, and I said that um, over the years. I trust them. Uh, we work so well, and I see them training they're they're ready they can play they have no problem so uh, to be fair the team is is in a great uh, mind space and we need to carry that on uh, in seattle last time we went there we did a 2-2 so uh, a tie would be good a win would be great uh, that's the mindset running our attention then to, to the national team i don't know if we'll get a chance to to speak to you over the next little bit when you're away there the, the game's coming up, two massive away games, obviously, uh, against Mexico and Jamaica. And then uh, again, that John described this week as must win against Panama. What are you expecting from these games? It's obviously going to be tough, but if you can get points from this, it's going to set you up nicely for what's still to come. Yeah, um, these games, uh, everything's on the line. There's no, there's no tomorrow in these games. Uh, after that, you're like, oof. You watch the standings and you need to get points every single game. Uh, to be honest, the, the objective is after the next three games and after each window, we're in the top three. That's the mindset. And so going into Mexico and Jamaica and then coming back to Toronto against Panama, our mindset is to get nine points. That is the mindset. Uh, of course, seven will be a great, uh, but that is the mindset. I speak for... Uh, for all the guys that are there, we want to win all games. And we know it's achievable. Is it hard? Yes. But it, it, that's that's our, our our head is right there. You know, we want to win every game. And we know it's going to be difficult traveling, going into hostile places. We know the reality. But uh, we know we can do the job. 
Thanks so much, Max. Good luck, safe travels, and we'll see when you get back. Hopefully, with nine points. Hopefully, hopefully, we'll get, we're gonna work hard on this. So, Maxime Crapo there, just chatting about the games coming up, and you know he's just gonna wish he was playing in Seattle. But obviously, he said if it's for the greater good, Canada trying to get this country to the World Cup, it would be just magnificent if they if they could. The next round of qualifiers that were announced, we'll just quickly mention as well, Zach, both games going to be in Edmonton with technically available to get a full capacity 60,000 at Commonwealth Stadium. You're going to that one. Good luck yeah. with the COVID. Uh, I, I, please hold my seats on the AFT and uh, plane to Qatar. But for now, I'm, I'm booked on some dodgy airline going to Edmonton. <laughs> well, you're, you're only going to be on that AFTN one once you've served the quarantine coming back from Edmonton because <laughs> I enough time. There's enough time. There's I still time. Do not think they will be allowing a full capacity. I mean, the CSA saying it's full capacity for that one, but the way the numbers are heading in Edmonton, that's insane no, to me. No, don't worry about what it. They're the, airlifting uh, all the COVID people out of there, so it should be COVID-free by then. Do you even oh. think 60,000 people fans? I, d- I don't even think they would think serve 60,000. But it's Fonzie's homecoming, exactly. so there's that. that. That Fonzie coming home, I think you can. Yeah. yeah, but who, but who knows? It's also... November in Edmonton, Oof. and I've 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 seen I've seen Edmonton in May. <laughs> that I did. Yeah, yes, <laughs> I've seen Edmonton in August, where it wasn't that great. It was like snowing in August one time. I was there. Well, that was something I was going to ask you guys because it's like everyone's saying, "Oh, it's great because it's going to freeze Costa Rica and, yeah. and Mexico out mm. of this." Our guys aren't used to playing in, in these conditions. They're pampered professional footballers. Mm. I, I think it can backfire on you. That said, I'm glad they're moving it around the country. And if it is going to give us any advantage at all, go for it. Uh, yeah, uh, Michael, again, I don't want to have the this, this same conversation about where they should play. And stuff. Well, yeah, let's not, ha- let's not have a but, pissing local match again and stuff. Let's but. trust the, uh, let's trust um, John Herdman, his staff and the players that this is what they want to do and what they think will help them best to qualify. As long as they don't start playing, he's coming home, he's coming <laughs> home, Fonzie's he's coming home. Because that hasn't worked very well for the English, which probably means Fonzie would get injured and not, not make it to these games. But I don't want, don't want to jinx him. <laughs> Good luck to Canada. We probably won't do a midweek show, but we'll, we'll chat about the, the games, the first two games uh, on next weekend's show. That is it for the Canada chat, but it's not it for this episode of the AFT and Soccer Show because it's still time for Wavelength where Football Violence Awareness Month is over but I thought I might try and come up with a theme for our, our Wavelength songs for, for this month so I'm going for the theme about giving football back to the fans and making it come home and getting rid of the big money men and everything like that so I've gone for a, a song from a, a London oi band called Super Yob and this is a song that, that's got lyrics that is all about a football club being the heart and soul of a community. That football is for the fans. Give us our game back. This is Super Yob with Sweet Effie. Passion 
Super yob there with sweet Effie. Give the fans the game back, slash wages, cap wages, slash prices. That's how you get fans back. Anyway, that is it for this week's show. Just before we go, anything you learned this week, Steve? Any final thoughts? Where can people find you online? Um, you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapSpeed. And what I learned this week was, according to Zach, uh, Sartini keeps his job if he gets a semi in the playoffs. Hey, if we get to the playoffs, I'm sure there'll be a few semis going around. Naveed, anything you learned this week? Where can folk find you online? Any final thoughts? Well, people can find me on Twitter at nmashinshi. Uh, didn't learn anything particular this week, but I found out today that UBC lost 5-1 against UFG. Yes. And now... Totally drove me nuts, to be honest. I'm commentating on next weekend's games on my own as well. So, so not sure what happened there. Really curious what's going on. What do you mean on your own? I thought you said I could come and hang out. No, not next week. Oh, that's it's not Trinity Western next week. Oh, it's it's uh, UBC Okanagan. Oh. oh, you can cover the Trinity Western games. 
Yeah, okay. Well, maybe, Especially maybe the, come... the women's one's top of the table class, so that's that's meaty. Mm. Or... Yeah, just to clarify, yeah, the men's team lost five. Yes, the, yeah, the yeah, women's team, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, disappointing, that's for sure. Zach, what have you learned? You're, oh, all, you're yeah. a learned man. You can find me on uh, Twitter at ZacharyM, and uh, I learned that today's tonight's pack was another with no doubles in it, and I took one step closer to completing the series. Wow! Let me know. Let me know if you don't have, when you go through yourself. Let me know. I got those seven doubles. I, I yeah, I need to to get my sheath sorted and stick things in it, and we'll we'll see what we do. I actually want to know. Sorry, Mike, to interrupt. I actually want to know what Zach thinks about the Arsene Wenger idea of two years World Cups. Every two years oh, instead of the four. Yes. We that's what I learned. Be, we're going to be talking about yeah. that, and then you went on the show, and then I right. kind of moved on. Let's talk about that next week. Well, why would we talk about such an asinine subject? <laughs> well, I think we've got his answer. Yeah, yeah spoilers, exactly. Zach. Spoilers. <laughs> I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Give us a follow, subscribe, turn on notifications on YouTube, youtube.com backslash Canada. What I sadly learned this week is you can close a football stadium in the Czech Republic and oh, try and have a oh, feel-good oh, factor of oh. filling it with 10,000 school kids because of uh, racist incidents in the past. And what happens? They boo the black players throughout the whole game. <laughs> no. Oh, Glenn Kamara, poor guy. That's just... Too bad. That was awful. Oh, so boy. sad. And actually, I, th- I didn't want to end on a downer, but I don't know if anyone saw MLS next sent uh, I retweeted it today. They sent a tweet out earlier today. Mm, I saw that. Yeah. Incidents of racist and discriminatory yeah. language used at some MLS next games. Mm-hmm. Youth, this is youth football. It's like, it's just, it's so sad. I just, I don't know. I, I'll try and finish on something upbeat now after that. Brian's on fire. <laughs> Your defense is terrified. Oh, Brian's on fire. Oh, na 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 na. <laughs> Take care, everyone. We'll be back soon. Mon the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.